The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ According to Matthew What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver, and from that time on, he looked for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him. The teacher says, My appointed time draws near. In your house I shall celebrate the Passover with my disciples. The disciples then did as Jesus had ordered and prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed at this, they began to say to him one after another, Surely it is not I, Lord. He said in reply, He who has dipped his hand into the dish with me is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, his betrayer, said in reply, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. He answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and giving it to his disciples, said, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sin. I tell you, from now on, I shall not drink this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it with you new in the kingdom of my Father. Then, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus said to them, This night all of you will have your faith in me shaken, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be dispersed. But after I have been raised up, I shall go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him in reply, Though all may have their faith shaken in you, mine will never be. Jesus said to him, And then I say to you, This very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even though I should have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples spoke likewise. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to feel sorrow and distress. Then he said to them, My soul is sorrowful even to death. Remain here and keep watch with me. He advanced a little and fell prostrate in prayer, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. When he returned to his disciples, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, So you could not keep watch with me for one hour. 
Watch and pray that you may not undergo the test. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Withdrawing a second time, he prayed again. My father, if it is not possible that this cup pass without my drinking it, your will be done. Then he returned once more and found them asleep, for they could not keep their eyes open. He left them and withdrew again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing again. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Behold, the hour is at hand when the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinners. Get up, let us go. Look, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs, who had come from the chief priests and the elders of the people. His betrayer had arranged a sign with them, saying, The man I shall kiss is the one. Arrest him. Immediately he went over to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus answered him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then stepping forward, they laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. And behold, one of those who accompanied Jesus put his hand to his sword, drew it, and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its sheath, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot call upon my Father, and he will not provide me at this moment with more than twelve legions of angels? But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must come to pass in this way? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber, with swords and clubs to seize me? Day after day I sat teaching in the temple area. Yet you did not arrest me. But all this has come to pass, that the writings of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the high priest's courtyard. And going inside, he sat down with the servants to see the outcome. The chief priests and the entire Sanhedrin kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus in order to put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward who stated, This man said, I can destroy the temple of God and within three days rebuild it. The high priest rose and addressed him. Have you no answer? What are these men testifying against you? But Jesus was silent. Then the high priest said to him, I order you to tell us under oath before the living God whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him in reply, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, 
he has blasphemed. What further need have we of witnesses? You have now heard the blasphemy. What is your opinion? They said in reply, Then they spat in his face and struck him, while some slapped him, saying, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. One of the maids came over to him and said, But he denied it in front of everyone, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. As he went out to the gate, another girl saw, saw him and said to those who were there, This man was with Jesus the Nazarene. Again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. A little later, the bystanders came over and said to Peter, At that he began to curse and to swear. I do not know the man. And immediately a cock crowed. Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. He went out and began to weep bitterly. When it was morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that Jesus had been condemned, deeply regretted what he had done. He returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in betraying innocent blood. They said, Flinging the money into the temple, he departed and went off and hanged himself. The chief priest gathered up the money, but said, It is not lawful to deposit this in the temple treasury, for it is the price of blood. After consultation, they used it to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why that field, even today, is called the field of blood. Then was fulfilled what had been said through Jeremiah the prophet, and they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of a man with a price on his head, a price set by some of the Israelites, and they paid it out for the potter's field, just as the Lord had commanded me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and he questioned him. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so. And when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he made no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things are testifying against you? But he did not answer him one word, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now on the occasion of the feast, the governor was accustomed to release to the crowd one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had assembled, Pilate said to them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had handed him over. While he was still seated on the bench, his wife sent him a message, Have nothing to do with that righteous man. I suffered much in a dream today because of him. 
the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas, but to destroy Jesus. The governor said to them in reply, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They answered, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. But he said, Why, what evil has he done? They only shouted the louder, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he was not succeeding at all, but that a riot was breaking out instead, he took water and washed his hands in the sight of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. Look to it yourselves. And the whole people said in reply, His blood be upon us and upon our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But after he had Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus inside the praetorium and gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped off his clothes and threw a scarlet military cloak about him. Weaving a crown out of thorns, they placed it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, They spat upon him and took the reed and kept striking him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the cloak, dressed him in his own clothes, and led him off to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a Cyrenian named Simon. This man they pressed into service to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they gave Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he had tasted it, he refused to drink. After they had crucified him, they divided his garments by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him. As they placed over his head the written charge against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him one on his right and the other on his left. Those passing by reviled him, shaking their heads and saying, You would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself if you are the Son of God, and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him and said, He saved others, he cannot save himself. So, so he is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now that he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The revolutionaries who were crucified with him also kept abusing him in the same way. From noon onward, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lena sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders who heard it said, This one is his only glory of mine. Immediately, one of them ran to get a sponge. He soaked it in wine, and putting it on a reed, gave it to him to drink. But the rest said, Wait, let us see if Elijah comes to save him. 
But Jesus cried out again in a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, rocks were split, tombs were opened, and the bodies of many saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming forth from their tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. The centurion and the men with him who were keeping watch over Jesus feared greatly when they saw the earthquake and all that was happening. And they said, There were many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him. Among them were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was himself a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be handed over. Taking the body, Joseph wrapped it in clean linen and laid it in his new tomb that he had hewn in the rock. Then he rolled a huge stone across the entrance to the tomb and, it, and departed. But Mary Magdalene and the other Mary remained sitting there facing the tomb. The next day, the one following the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that this apostle of God still alive said, After three days, I will be raised up. Pilate said to them, The guard is yours. Go secure it as best you can. So they went and secured the tomb by fixing a seal to the stone and setting the guard. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to Lord Jesus Christ. Two sets of palms are present in our Mass today. We have the palms that were blessed and palms that were being raised in honor of Jesus Christ. And we have the palms of our hands. These palms that have been blessed today, the palms that we're all receiving and will be receiving, are a sign of victory. Palms themselves are a symbol of victory. They're a symbol of mercy. They're a symbol of fruitfulness and beauty. And they are used to hail a king. And today we are acknowledging Christ as our king. And all these people that came to watch our Lord as he processed into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and they laid out their cloaks and they were shouting their hosannas and they were waving the palm branches were all people who had experienced healing. They had experienced spiritual healing, physical healing, emotional healing. They'd experienced the miracles of Christ. And so they themselves were honoring Christ as their king, shouting hosannas. Right? Hosanna, which means to save, to rescue. 
recognizing Christ as our Savior, as our Rescuer. And these people that were shouting their hosannas were, were running a risk. They were running a risk because the Romans would have said, hey, what's going on here? These people are recognizing a different king than the emperor. And the Jewish leaders, they would have said, hey, what's going on here? They're recognizing somebody who is the Messiah that we know is not the Messiah. And actually somebody that we ourselves are trying to kill. So these, these people, as they were shouting their hosannas and, and waving their palm branches, were running a risk. And so we too, by holding on to these palms, we are declaring Christ as our King. Right? These palms that, that, that we hold on to, I'm holding on to them physically. You all are holding on to them spiritually, but uh, you will have an opportunity to hold on to them, them physically. They are a holy and sacred thing. Right? This, this, the, the idea of Palm Sunday is not just you know, another way to get people into church. It's not just another way to, to raise money for the church. Right? This is a beautiful symbol of the fact that we are recognizing Christ as our King. I am showing my conviction of who Christ is. Of who Christ is in the world and who Christ is in my life. And today, in our society today, we know that it is a dangerous thing to hold on to a palm. Because how often in today's world they tell us that religion can't be, can't be exercised outside the four walls of the church. Right? You just keep your religion to the Sundays. Right? You just keep your religion to yourself. Just keep your religion to your living room. Right? It's dangerous. Don't bring this religious stuff out into the world. Right? Faith is just a personal thing. That's just between you and your imaginary friend that's up in the sky. This is what society tells us. But these palms are a symbol that we are publicly proclaiming Christ as our King. That Christ has, has worked wonders in my life. And that He is the one who is in control of who I am. And now when we look at Christ, as our second reading today so, so shows us so clearly, where did Christ exercise his kingship? Right, just by riding on a donkey? Christ exercised his kingship on the cross. As our Lord was, was stretched upon that cross and his palms were, were laid down on that wood and nails were driven through his palms, Christ is exercising his kingship. It's a kingship of self-sacrifice. It's a kingship of generosity. It's a kingship of fruitfulness and it's a kingship of victory because Christ is winning heaven for each one of us. And Christ's palms were palms of healing and forgiveness. Palms that shed blood out of love for each one of us. And our palms our palms that have experienced that forgiveness from our Lord. Our palms that have experienced healing from our Lord. 
And now our Lord asks us to use our palms, to use our hands, to use our life to spread his love, to spread his mercy, to spread his way of life in this world. Because it is life in Christ that brings fruitfulness. It is life in Christ that brings beauty. Christ wants to use our palms. right? And these palms, right, we all have at our homes, wherever we are. We all have those palms. And Christ wants us to use our palms and the sweat that is created on those palms to extend His kingdom in this world. Remembering that our life is not about ourselves. And when we recognize what the palms of Christ have done for us, how they bled out of love for each one of us, we can't help but spread that love with the people that we meet. To invite them into a relationship with Christ. And so these palms here, they show our allegiance to our Lord. But it's these palms, our hands, that work to build the kingdom of Christ in this world. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the church throughout the world, that during this week her members will become more perfect signs of Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, they'll respond to the call to repentance and conversion, especially during this season. We pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, that they will know that they are united to the Lord in his suffering and in his victory. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have rejected faith, we pray to the Lord. For a greater respect for human life, especially at the beginning and at the end, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will be visible signs of Jesus Christ, visible signs of the love of the cross, for greatest respect for that love present in marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, having spent time in the presence of the crucified and risen Lord, they may be visible signs of that mystery. We pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, who all have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. For all of those who are suffering from the coronavirus, that they may be healed. And for us, that we may be preserved and protected. For an end to this virus, we pray to the Lord. And for all of us here, that our lives will be so transformed by these mysteries that the world will know your Son. We pray to the Lord. Lord 
We now join our prayers to those of the mother of sorrows, the health of the sick, and the refuge of sinners as we sing. Mm-hmm. 